Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. Hey, what's up, rock stars? This is Matt Johnson. Welcome back to the UX Podcast. Uh, I'm excited for you to hear this interview with James Golden, the co-founder of Influx and Vision Tech Team, for a few reasons. So if you listen to his language and the way that he talks about scaling up a professional service firm and the things he talks about taking place in the new economy and how to go from uh, linear growth to exponential growth, you'll hear a lot of the same principles that you're going to hear over the coming weeks and months from the UX Podcast, because some of them are universal principles that you uh, universally apply. Uh, of course, we have put our, a unique spin on them for the, the UX machine and what type of business that is. And we'll have a specific episode for you on that. But uh, well, this is one of my favorite conversations I've had so far for the podcast, because James and the way that he thinks uh, and the way that they run their team is very similar to the way that we do here in our podcast production team and very similar to the things that we would uh, teach and train on if we were helping somebody scale up a, a professional service firm. Obviously, James has done it in the agency world, and, uh, and he's coming at it from that perspective. So we talk a little bit about that. Uh, we also talk about how to turn any high-touch uh, service into a low-touch service and the specific steps that it takes to actually do that and pull it off, which is where a lot of coaches, consultants, and other kind of service providers get stuck. Uh, and then we also talked about uh, the very, very surprising behavior uh, profile that James looks for in all of his key staff. Now, not everyone, but the key staff that are required and looked upon and relied on to solve problems and lead other people in the business. Uh, there's a very interesting perspective that he has on the combination of a certain type of competence and energy that I would never have expected, but makes total sense once you hear it. So I'm excited for you to dive into the conversation with James. So here he is, James Golden, the CEO and co-founder of Influx and Vision Tech Team. Uh, so, so where does the, tell me how the agency kind of fits into your world. Yeah. So we have uh, vision tech team is our, our big agency. Um, and then we have like productization services outside of that. Um, so right now we're pushing into Influx, which is like our, our big initiative and we're transferring kind of all of our agency over to this, this product that we've created. But ultimately the agency got formed, um, like my second year in college, mm -hmm. um, and kind of just grew from there. It was, it was an accident. Um, <laughs> That's and, the, all the best agencies seem to be, right? Yeah. Well, it was a, I mean, it's a, it goes from a skill set of talent to service, service to product, product to platform, right? And, okay. and I, I was at that talent level for a long time of just kind of consulting and helping people out with, I had a, I graduated in two years from college with a computer science degree. Um, and so I decided to program in a, software called Infusionsoft. Um, so a lot oh, yeah. Of, yeah, a lot of API development and other items like that. And then I started a consulting agency doing that. Um, so what, so what, circa what, 2010? Yeah, it's about 2010. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you probably know, do you know Dobbin Buck from Get You Wired? No, I don't. Uh, Dobbin's a stud. Uh, so he basically did the same thing that you're doing, but did it uh, very specifically for like real estate. Uh, really? So now he's got an agency of like 60 employees and that's all they do for the most part is they still do the Infusionsoft integration and, and consulting. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah. But anyway, that's a, that's a nightmare. Like, I, we could not pay me enough to start an Infusionsoft agency. Yeah, we transitioned. Um, the liability was, was massive. Um, the tech yeah. liability is, is huge, especially when you're taking, you know, a lot of our clients are doing $20 million, $30 million launches. And, you know, and that's a two-week period. That puts us at a massive liability. Um, and ultimately, I mean, we had a $5 million liability policy for errors and emissions. But, you know, you forget a you know, you put a test credit card on there instead of, I mean, it's team members, right? I mean, stuff happens, you know, yeah. nobody's there. I mean, it's not a, a, a robot yet, but ultimately, um, you know, people mess up and it's, it could be really, really, really costly. Um, you know, if we do a couple of those a month, it's, it could potentially be pretty bad. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we got out of that and we moved more into like our higher end, uh, design, so more into design and then the development of that design. Okay. Um, so then, yeah, so, so where did the, like the Frank Curran connection, like it seems like you guys have carved out a nice niche in working with like business coaches, consultants, yeah. trainers, that, like that kind of thing. Did that also happen kind of by accident? Yeah, yeah, um, that, that was a cool story. Um, like ultimately I had like a, a guy by the name of Darren Spiller out in Wisconsin. He has a company called uh, Kids Bowl Free. And it's like this, this, yeah, this dying, okay. it's a dying industry, but a crazy cool concept of like ultimately like bowling alleys were, were not very um, utilized in the summer. And so they created a program where it's like a, a monthly rate and kids can bowl all summer. And ultimately it's, you know, supposed to get them fit and all this other stuff, but it's a great business model. Um, so he was the one I first did Infusionsoft with. And then I uh, got connected to uh, Mara Glazer um, from Glazer Kennedy. Um, and she connected me to Yannick Silver. Yannick Silver connected me to Dimitri Kozlov, my business partner. He connected me to Mike Gillard. Um, then Mike Gillard connected us to Frank Kern. And I mean, it just, it, you know, it kept, kept going from there. A lot of it's referral based. Um, you know, we got, we got some heavy hitters. I mean, like JJ, I mean, we're doing a lot of stuff uh, for them. And I mean, we got, we got some cool clients that, that are really, really doing big, big stuff. We, we've really taking over the niche of internet marketing. Like, you know, when, when we were in our prime for the tech piece of the vision tech team, I mean, we really had a majority of the, I mean, we could literally grab almost any client that we wanted to. I mean, we had like a massive waiting list The the issue was, I mean, it's just too many problems. I mean, just too many calls on the weekends and yeah. it's, it's just a nightmare, you know, and that's mm -hmm. where the business, you know, this is Miami in a business sense where the business isn't really serving me making a lot of money, but it's just not worth the stress, you know? We're not, mm. not looking to make a ton of money. We're looking to be happy. Uh -huh. and, uh, that is a very interesting conversation. I would love to get into that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So just so I understand, because I've got a client, uh, Doran Aldana, that uses Influx, and you mentioned that. So, so where does that kind of, I don't know anything about it other than the experience that we've had getting the graphics and stuff back from Influx, but I don't know like the inner workings. Yeah. Yes. Influx is an awesome program. Ultimately, um, the, the next 10 years is going to be a massive shift with technology. Um, and there's an exponential shift in technology. And we we're talking to a lot of, you know, billionaires in the tech industry talking about the shift. And, and a lot of them are, are pretty confident that within the next 10 years, the top Forbes 500 or the Inc 500 is going to be completely different in 10 years. Yeah. Um, meaning that velocity change for most companies, bigger companies is, is really difficult. Um, especially the more team members, the, the more ingrained you are in certain softwares, the more ingrained you are in specific items. It's really going to be the downfall of a lot of companies. And ultimately, having a personal brand really grabs instant reputation and lets you pivot quicker. 
It's like Dave Asprey has Bulletproof Coffee, but he's also Dave Asprey. He can sell Bulletproof Coffee, but in order to get Bulletproof Coffee off the ground, it's Dave Asprey Biohacker that has to that has to convert that company. And now he can sell that, but ultimately he's still pulling in the reputation for both. So even if he sold it, Dave Asprey as himself would still be incredibly valuable uh, based on his personal brand. So okay. really leveraging that piece, and, and most companies can grow like, I mean, a lot of people are understanding and, and pushing towards the influencer market. Um, I mean, there's a lot of wannabe influencers. Um, and that's why I like, um, instead of, what is it? It's a results leader, not a uh, thought leader. Um, no. there's, there's just too many thought leaders out there where, you know, okay. you, 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 question, you just question that Seth Godin quote, isn't it? I think it's Seth Godin that says, if you want to be a thought leader, you have to have leading thoughts. Right, right. But, but ultimately, I mean, everybody has leading thoughts. It's just a lot of people don't have success behind their thoughts and, and real experience, right? Yeah. And, and success is different than experience because you can be, you know, you can work out forever and ultimately never be a big, per, you know, never get to the goal that you want. If you have never seen those, those success results, it just means you've put time into it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, real experience is catered towards success. If you haven't seen success in that industry, you don't have any experience um, related to that success. Um, so that's, I mean, that, that was like a, a big shift for us. And then ultimately, um, like a lot of people in the influencer market, really building a personal brand. And, and I mean, that's like the core hub of a lot of, uh, brands and, and pulling in that, that instant credibility so that you can launch all of these other products on their own and they can pull in your credibility to get started, but ultimately they can take on a form of their own. And it's a lot quicker to launch a business if you have influence and you have, um, like a brand around yourself mm -hmm. and it's a lot easier to get PR, um, way easier to get PR and way easier to get, you know, media attention, way easier to get speaking gigs. If you've leveraged yourself, because depending on how you position yourself, people either, you know, have events, they go, Hey, uh, should we talk to this person about sponsoring or, you know, if you have a shitty personal brand, you know, they talk to you about, Oh, Hey, pay $50,000 and you can get on stage. Or if you have a great personal brand, a lot of people are like, Hey, can we pay you $50,000 to get on stage? It's all about the positioning, right? And, yes, and pre -framing, right. It's all about pre-framing pre that idea and making sure that you're, you're leveraged in the right way. Um, so yeah, that, that was like our big, our big shift around uh, personal brand sites. And a lot of our, so a lot of our clients were getting most of the value out of their personal brand sites rather than these launches that we were catering. So the most, the most diff, yeah, oh yeah. Like, well, it's because it's the, the fundamental growth block, right? So imagine Frank Kern gets four or five extra speaking gigs or he gets on, you know, a couple new Forbes articles or something else and now he's positioned better. That's exponential growth, not these launches that are just liquidating a list, right? So ultimately you're trying to do lead generation, but lead generation only provides a linear growth path. I mean, unless you're doing it from speaking or from building some sort of personal brand. So ultimately being able to grow an exponential uh, growth path for your company, really the owners and even a lot of the leadership staff should have their own personal brand associated with them. Like, um, who was I talking to the other day? Um, it was uh, Tucker Max. So from, uh, he owns Book in a Box and his CEO, so he replaced himself as visionary and he hired a CEO, but he has a professional CD, a CEO, JD. And it's like, this guy's been on more podcasts than I have. This guy's been on more speaking. You know, he's crazy. Like his, the CEO is just nuts. And uh, he's got so much personal brand built behind him, but ultimately people want to get on a call with him and can talk to him rather than Tucker because he's built that personal brand. So really, yeah, that's huge. 
really owning that and, and like ultimate delegation is making sure that your staff is, is delegated a responsibility, not a task. And in order to delegate a responsibility to a leadership staff member, they really need to be seen as a leader to the, to the people that they're communicating with. And ultimately positioning team members like that around a personal brand really helps them out and really lets them know that you're investing in them because ultimately they have other paths as well that they could go. And if you're not investing in them and you're not growing faster than they are, uh, they're going to leave. Yeah. hundred percent true. That's, that's insane. Uh, yeah. Because that's, that's one of the things that we're going to talk about on the podcast a lot is that, that idea that if you, if the people that you are, that are kind of in your, your ecosystem, if yeah. they're not like, if they're not growing and like you said, if they have their own personal brand, it's going to be with this whole shift, uh, we're going to see a lot of that, a lot more of that happen to where like companies are more fluid and we're putting together contractors and people that have their own personal brands to come together on specific projects or to build systems. And then either they move on or it just becomes part of their world. And um, they do other things outside of that rather than kind of the old model, which is either you're an employee or we hate you. You're the, out, you're the outsider. Right. Um, like the whole idea of moonlighting and the negative connotation that goes with that, I think will will completely be eliminated. Like you said, maybe in the next 10 years. Um, but, and by the way, we're already recording. So we like, whatever we're talking about, we'll probably end up in the podcast. But um, from your perspective, I want to go like behind the scenes. So we, so you and I both understand, and I think a lot of listeners will understand like um, the importance of having a personal brand and stuff like that for you as the agency owner, though, you're looking at it going, look, we can do all this custom stuff how do I put this into like a system that's reproducible, predictable, reliable, so that you're not doing launches, but your business also is on the same roller coaster along with your clients that you're launching. So like, how did you turn this into more of a productized, systematized business? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. And I mean, the, it starts with kind of figuring out the market, right? So on understanding and going from a high touch item to a low touch item is a lot more, um, artful than most people would, would push in. I mean, we, we've spent millions trying to build a platform and ultimately it didn't serve us. It, it, you know, by the time we got done with it, we, you know, we tried to create uh, a platform in what sense? Uh, software. Oh, okay. like an act, like an actual platform software that can, uh, that can do this. so Influx in, in itself is a services business. Yeah. Um, and we were trying to build something that, that went directly from, you know, our high touch industry from vision tech team into our, into a low touch item that's incredibly scalable. And ultimately it's a, it's a different value proposition when you go from there to there. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's difficult to build a system like that. We figured we had enough software engineers and everything else on our team, but I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And none of us have ever had any success in the software field before. And it's, it's, you get to find out, uh, you know, life, life gives you the test first and the lessons last. (laughs) It's one of those where you kind of get to figure out the hard way. Okay. Well, we're a million dollars deep. How do we figure this out? Or or should we push forward? And it's like, no. And that's, that's a, I mean, that's, it's called sunk uh, sunk cost fallacy. And a lot of people get stuck in that piece. Um, But ultimately, so we, we decided to go from a, like a fully high touch and then ultimately slowing it down to the, the lower touch item that it is now. Um, but trying to figure that out and, and, you know, if you don't have a patented process for your services product, you really don't have a company. Um, you really have a bunch of people that are just doing stuff. You know, if your ultimate value product, if you don't have a proven process or a guarantee, like something like a brand promise, uh, for us specifically as a brand promise, if you don't have that, ultimately you're just trying to deliver on whatever you're trying to communicate. Because ultimately the communication between what you're delivering is different in the client's head than it is in yours. And okay. if you can get clarity on that with a brand promise or with a proven process, 
they don't really know what they're getting. And that's, that, that was ultimately the first step that we had transitioned to for getting this a lot more um, into a process was one coming up with our patented process. Um, and we call ours our influencer intensive. Okay. And then going into like the, the brand promise piece of it for communication around, you know, our, our specific brand promise is beautiful sites, authentic sites and results driven, right? So okay. beautiful and authentic are both subjective, but they're subjective in a way that you can ask people like, do most people find this site beautiful? Okay. And does the person find this authentic? Um, and right. for us, authentic means more around the polarization factor. There's a lot more that people can pull in you can magnetize people and you can repel the right people. And that's one of the best pre-qualifiers that you can do is with copy and, and imagery is really polarizing your group to how you want to show up. Because if you're, if you're genuine and authentic, it, it actually increases your ability to create value because you, you feel more relaxed and you're not making things up. Um, right. <laughs> and, and when you feel more relaxed and you're hanging out with your tribe and your people and the, and the people you feel most comfortable with, that's really who you're going to serve the best. Yeah. Yeah, it makes 100% sense. Um, so I'm curious, just from, from the perspective of the, like the nitty gritty, so you start, so from the agency owner's perspective, you start and going, look, this is the stuff that we're doing. This is the yeah. process that we've been following, but it's not, like that process is essentially not visible to anyone else. And so to them, it's not proven. To them, they don't know what the promise is. They might know the results that we've gotten for other people, which generates referrals, but that doesn't attract, it definitely doesn't attract people that are willing to do a low touch service as opposed to a high touch. And that's, I think right. what a lot of us struggle with in professional services, whether you're an agency owner or whatever, is people struggle to make that transition from high touch to low touch because they don't, we don't understand the transition like in the mind that has to take place in our clients, right? It's one thing to get referrals and be able to deliver a high touch service because it's it like the whole process is high touch. They're getting introduced like they have a personal experience with us. They know that they're going to work. We're going to like hold their hand through the process. So it's like it's high touch every step of the way. Um, so when you look at turning it into like a low touch service, you start with, you said you started with the brand promise, right? Yep. And then you move to what would you call it? Like a like a proprietary system, a proven, like how would you phrase that? Proven yeah, system? Yeah. So I mean, I guess there's a, there's a step above that, right? You, you okay. need to figure out what one, what you're, you're good at, what your agency yeah. is good at and where you can provide the most value. Right. So then you make a list of where you can provide the most value. Then you go from there and you, you say, okay, well, what do I want to do? Right. Like what, what's the best thing that I want to personally do and, and get involved in? Because if you spend more than six months on something that you really don't want to do, you find it out very quickly that that isn't something that you want to grow. So ultimately that's the selection process of figuring out, okay, what do we want to productize? Right. Or what do we want to systematize? And then from there you systematize it by going through, okay, a lot of high, high, high touch items of you need to you know talk with the client and say, Hey, you know, what is, what, what is something you would pay a hundred thousand or, or what's a problem you'd pay $150,000 for? What is a problem that, you know, you'd pay whatever, whatever income you're looking for, you ask a, a, a potential client, like what's the problem that they would do that. And if they don't come up with your problem, that means you need to either educate your audience, which is, you know, part of communication or you need to pivot to what they're actually looking for. Right. Um, and and because ultimately, if you if you create a process around something that that the problem doesn't exist, you're you're solving a, a non-existent problem. Um, so it starts with that, yes. like really making yeah. sure you're figuring out the problem that you're solving, and then you're you're systemizing it in a way that you're you're continuing to educate and ask the client if your target market if this is solving their problem in an effective way. Okay. Um, and then ultimately, from there, it's training team members. You know, you, you first start with 
or we first start with our leadership staff, like testing out the, the product, right? And what we would do and, and going through a high touch item with the client and kind of explaining it so we can get the feedback. And then ultimately it makes it, its way down to a team member that we can literally so overseas in the Philippines that you don't need high touch communication to be able to produce this, this content that's, you know, that's gone through a process. And now it's all going to be, it, it always is amazing. Hmm. Okay. So, all right. So, uh, yeah. There's a lot we could go into, but I'm going to try to keep it. Right, <laughs> right. I know. We, got, we got 25 minutes here, man. Oh, I'm trying to, God. I got like a 60, 60 minute keynote, but yeah. I know. No, I totally get it. Um, all right. So, proven process and the step between the brand promise and the proven process. You talk about the leadership and you talk about the training. Um, what, what are some of the keys that you found to being able to do, and this is the other key thing I think we all struggle with, which is getting off of our plate onto somebody else's in a way that doesn't just transfer the task. Like you said, it transfers the responsibility. That's yeah. the hardest thing for people to grasp is that when I give you something to do, I don't want you to just do the thing. I want you to take the mental burden off of me of doing the thing so that you take responsibility for it. So what are some of the things that's been uh, effective for you guys? Yeah. So, and, and that's, so one of the, the biggest things I've been doing is, is called strategic learning, right? So okay. strategic learning, one of the biggest pieces there is around delegation, right? If you can, if you, most business owners think that they can teach way better than they can, um, or they train <laughs> way better than they can, and they think that they're communicating way better than they are, right? And there's also different types of, uh, delegation is ultimately the highest form of strategic leadership. Um, okay. And the, ultimately, the first level of strategic leadership is command-based leadership. So you're just telling somebody what to do, and you're looking for a result, right? And there's different types of people. Like, I, I, I have a whole 90-minute thing on, on just around delegation and how to do it correctly. But the net, net of it is ultimately most business owners have no idea how to delegate or that they think they're delegating in delegating tasks. And when you delegate a task, that isn't delegating in any way, shape, or form. You need to delegate a responsibility. So what, what you are fully accountable for is something that you can actually delegate out the different responsibilities for it, but ultimately that opens somebody up. If they have the competence and the energy to be able to take care of it, they are able to be delegated to. If they don't have the competence, you either need to increase the competence or you need to do a less strategic leadership style, which is either co-creating ideas with them, yeah. uh, coaching them, or like command-based, like really just telling them it. But if they don't have the competence, that's the first problem. Like the worst, the worst person to have in a team is uh, low competence and high energy. If they have high energy, it's the Gomer Pyle effect, right? And the Prussian army was, was perfect at this, and they just kicked those people out. Like, hey, we'll just give you money to get rid of them. Because um, those kind of people, they, they're, they're, they don't have the competence to be able to help, but they want to help. So right. they try everywhere, and they just mess everything up. So they actually do the most damage. Um, and, then you go, and then you go to people with... Uh, low competence and low energy. Lazy people actually figure things out pretty well. Um, and and they, they, they don't mess up as much. They will do the bare minimum. So you do, have to, you do have to lead them differently. But ultimately, then you get to the next step, which is uh, high competence, low energy, right? And that's, that's, or sorry, high competence, high energy, which is somebody who's really excited and, and really good at going and very, very competent. Um, and that, those kind of people you can delegate to, but ultimately the, the best people to delegate to is, is what most people don't understand is the high, um, high competent, low energy, which means right. really smart, lazy people will find the coolest, the coolest path 
ever to figuring things out. They, these are the people that solve systems. They will jump through hoops yeah. to make, I mean, there's, there's just a ton of research on lazy people, really competent, lazy people, and mm -hmm. how effectively you can delegate to them. You say, hey, can you solve this problem? Here's why. And yes. like the, the big piece of delegation is explaining the why. Like if they understand the why, how, and the what of what they're doing, the why is the biggest piece. And that's for any team member. They really under, need to understand why they're doing what they're doing from the yeah. company. They need to understand the why of what they're doing for that task, for that yeah. a process, whatever it is. If they understand the why, they can come up with their own solution. It's easier to coach that person mm -hmm. because ultimately if they know the why and there's a disconnect there, that means something hasn't been communicated right, and you can figure that out. People learn in different yes. ways. It's good to, good to know that, um, you know, going through love languages for business and, and other items. Yeah. Really understanding how people tick is really cool, and you find that out if, if somebody understands the why and they're not doing something that you think is logical, mm -hmm. then you really get to find out something cool. Um, you know, either they're not a good fit and they're not competent in that, or you haven't communicated it correctly. Yeah, yeah, which goes back to when you talk about, you know, explaining why, because if they're high competence, low energy, then yeah. why is the key to them solving the problem in the right. right way that actually matters. If they don't why. know the why, they'll solve yeah. it, but it'll be in a way that doesn't work with your core values, it doesn't work for the class. Something will be wrong with the way they solve the problem, and then that's up to us as leaders to make sure that doesn't happen, right? Right, and, and ultimately, it's, I mean, we, we used to run into this with the, the agency a ton, is, I mean, it's the same thing with, with clients, right? Like, they'll come to us and be like, hey, I need this this graphic design for social media and you'd be like, why? I guess that has nothing to do with the path that you're going on right now. And that's going to take away time and energy. And why, why are you doing that? You know, and they'll be like, Oh, so I, somebody else is doing it. And I thought it'd be cool to do it. And it's like, no, that's, that's the dumbest idea ever because it takes away time and worse energy from the actual path. That's going to, I mean, if your goal is to make money, you need to be in alignment with that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, gone through all of Al Reese's stuff like in the last two, two or three weeks. And that, that was the big thing that jumped out to me. Yeah. So it's not, it's not even just the, the, the actual tactical time that it takes to do anything. It again, goes back to mental burden and, and like mental and emotional energy. Yeah. You start splitting among all these different things. And, and yeah, if you're in any sort of creative agency or any sort of professional service in marketing, you're always going to get that. Like, hey, I'm thinking about doing Instagram. Hey, I'm thinking about doing Snapchat. Can you just throw it? Like, whatever we're doing, just throw it up on right. LinkedIn. Where, where, where everybody's time is better served than somewhere else. And ultimately, yes. task switching is a killer, right? Yes. The difference between maker time and, and reactive time is totally different. So maker time is when you just, just do something that's, that goes into like deep work is a, is a big item in, in our agency. Yeah. In, in that all leadership team members need like a specific amount of deep work time. And ultimately nice. that can solve the bigger picture problems where, you know, management is less and our production team is a lot less than that. But ultimately going into that deep work mentality really lets them creatively solve a problem. Um, most problems that are created, you can't solve them with the same mindset that they, you know, if you, if you're really reactive, you're, yeah. right, right. If you're really reactive and you're like, oh shit, this, this is the problem here. You really can't solve the problem in that specific mindset. You know, it takes a lot of, um, we do like, we do these awesome clarity techniques with our team. Um, like yeah. we do our meditation challenge, which is a really cool clarity exercise, a journaling challenge. Okay. Um, which is a really cool clarity exercise for all our team members. But ultimately, the more clear they are with clients, like from a clarity standpoint, the yeah. better outcome and, and process. So if you are clear on the communication at the beginning of a project, there is absolutely zero problems at the end. If the communication is always clear throughout the whole process, that reduces errors to zero if it's 100%. Now, you never get 100% communication. But 
you know, we, we work on a lot of uh, how skills, so soft skills like uh, active listening, mirroring, et cetera. Gotcha. All right. And uh, go, before my final question, go back to deep work. Do, do I understand that you guys intentionally set aside or require leaders on your team to set aside time for deep work? How do you like, and, and how do you structure that? Um, calendar. So they can see it and just turn off, um, turn off Slack or turn off Skype or turn off everything else. And if you need to get a hold of them, it's text message. And if they're there, they're there. If they're not, they're not. Um, but ultimately our, our leadership staff members are paid exponentially more than our, uh, management or production staff, which means they need to output. So the, the number that you pay somebody and the output that they need is three times what they, what they get paid. Right. And that covers the cost and that covers admin, that covers a lot of other items, but ultimately they need to cover that cost. So they need to be coming up with these really, really strategic ideas and being able to set yourself up for growth. If you really invest in time, you're set up for exponential growth rather than linear growth where you're kind of learning on the job and reacting to everything. If you're proactive about your learning piece, um, and proactive about solving problems and really thinking through them, mm -hmm. uh, you can solve a problem way more efficiently. I love it. All right. So final question, cause I want to honor your time. Uh, so go take me back real quick. Talking about your, like for yourself, your specific skills, unique, you know, skills and abilities that kind of work its way through the business and, and how you decided to kind of focus what you're doing now, what you're doing with influx. How did you arrive at, okay, this is the one thing that I can do that provides the most value that I enjoy the most that I can build a business around? Yeah. So actually my, so my piece, I have a business partner that does the visionary aspects. So he does more the, the grassroots thing. Mine is more around the leadership component. So mm -hmm. leadership and systems and ultimately systems are easy if you solve the leadership component, right? If you solve the people component okay. and that's what most people don't understand is that if you create systems, you still need to delegate and treat people right. Um, an A-level team, team member is going to be 100 times better than a B-level team member, um, meaning that you, hiring people that actually give a shit is, uh, I don't know if I can swear on here, but yeah. yeah I, hiring, hiring people that actually give a shit and, and, and making sure that you're uh, catering to them is my skill set. So I'm essentially like head coach of the team. So I don't do any actual work but I coach the rest of the team members into making sure that that's done. And a lot of our, our ideas are created through the leadership team rather than through ownership. Um, and that's a big thing in making sure that when they co-create ideas or how we're going to structure, how we're going to move the business is that they're co-creating them. So now they have ownership and they, they feel ownership over those ideas rather than dictating to somebody that, Hey, this is the new path that we're going to take. Um, so a lot of our ideation goes through, our leadership team and ultimately, you know, figuring that out from, we have a, quite a bit of team members, um, but you know, that all filters up to the leadership team. And usually when that gets to the ownership standpoint, you've lost a lot of the context. So we try to mm. co-create and, and build a culture of, you know, self-manage. I mean, that's the ultimate goal of any company is having self-managed team members. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, we could go on this for a long, long time. And yeah. The energy, the content. Holy cow. Um, but for, for those that want to learn more about Influx, how do they do that? Uh, go to influx.com, I-N-F-L-U-E-X.com. And how does somebody listening know that they're the ideal client for Influx? Yeah, I mean, if you have the cash flow, um, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, I, ideally, I, I, my personal opinion is that everybody needs a, a personal brand site and that it will elevate whatever you're doing exponentially. Um, so I, that really needs to be done. What most people get stuck on is, is why, why do I need it and where, you know, it's too much work to get done. And I, there's so many other things I can do with my time. Right. And that's, that's, that's the big objection is that, Hey, 
I could be making millions on this funnel. Why should I be doing this personal brand site? And, you know, we've really figured out a, a, a process to get it down to the lowest personal time investment. We have it down to about six hours right now, personal time investment to get like a, a complete overhaul and like this amazing, cool uh, site and copy and everything else done. Um, so in reality, for me, it's kind of, if you have the cash flow, it starts at two payments of 7,500. So the, the, you know, the, there is a limiting factor on that cash piece of it, but ultimately I think everybody's a good fit for it. Now, I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done for you podcasting service. Uh, that is my agency that I'm building and growing. And I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you. You can learn more at pursuingresults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market. Something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and review on iTunes, and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you would do that. So again, this is the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine, and we'll see you on the next episode.